And Lord, thank you that we can take the time to open your Bible and study it and gather truth from it. I ask you to help all of us to listen. Help us to just get uh, all the thoughts from this week, all the things that have happened at work and in our lives, to just put all of those aside and help us to be able to just focus and, and, and listen and enjoy and learn something from the Bible tonight. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, on Wednesday nights we're having a Bible study and we're going through the book of John. Uh, like I, you know, like I was telling uh, Guillermo here, our, this is just our second week here in church. And um, so we just started. So we just started in John chapter number 1 last week. And if you remember, in John chapter number 1, last week we started, we, we studied in John chapter number 1 the subject of the Word. If you see there in verse number 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we talked about that last week, and we talked about what that meant, and, and how that translates into the Bible. But this week we're going to be looking at a different subject in John chapter number 1, and then next week we'll move on to John chapter number 2. Uh, but this week, I want you to look at, uh, last week what the subject was the Word. This week the subject is this, the witness. The witness. If you look at John chapter number 1 and look at verse number 6. John chapter number 1 and look at verse 6. The Bible says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of that light, that all men through him might believe. So I want, I want us to study this man, John the Baptist, in John chapter number 1. And the Bible calls him the witness. We're going to study the subject about the witness. Point number 1 that I want you to see, I want you to see the commissioning of the witness. The commissioning of the witness. You say, what does that word commission mean? Well, that's a, that's a military word. The, the word commission, well, at least we use it in the military a lot. Uh, I don't know if it's a military word only, but the word commission means this. The act of granting power or authority, uh, giving an order or a charge. So like in the military, you've heard of like, they're being enlisted people who enlist in the military. And then there's officers who are commissioned. They are given authority. They are giving, uh, given power. And in the same way, the witness is commissioned. If you notice, look at verse 6. The Bible says, there was a man sent from... What does that say? Who sent the man? According to John chapter number 1 and verse 6. The Bible says, God. There was a man sent from God... And the commissioning of the witness comes from God. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. And look what it says. Here's the purpose of the witness. That all men through him might believe. So the Bible says that God sent a man, his name was John, and the purpose that God sent him was that all men through him might believe. Now I want you to take your Bibles and go to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. If you're in John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans and 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. While you go to 1 Corinthians, I'm going to read a verse for you in Matthew chapter number 28. Matthew chapter number 28, verse 18. Very commonly referred to as the Great Commission. Matthew number 28, chapter number 28, verse 18. The Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So Jesus said, All power is given unto me. And in verse 19, He says, Go ye therefore... Now he's saying, go ye therefore, he's saying the, that therefore is referring to the fact that all power is given to him. Jesus said, all power is given unto me, and he said, therefore, because all that power is given unto me, he says, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So that's what we commonly refer to as the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Are you in 1 Corinthians? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, look at verse 4. 
First Corinthians chapter number 3 and look at verse 4. The Bible says, For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Now, the Apostle Paul is correcting a problem here in the church of Corinthians because there's the Apostle Paul who had won some people to Christ. He brought some people to church and he got those people saved. And then there was this other man named Apollos who had also been used of God to bring people uh, to Christ and bring people to that church. And there was these two different sections in this church. And some were saying, I'm of Paul. And some were saying, I'm of Apollos. And Paul is correcting them. He says, For one saith, I'm of Paul. Another saying, I'm of Apollos. Are you not carnal? And look at verse 5. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. And look at verse 5. The Bible says, Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? So he answers, he's asking this question, Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers, look what it says, But ministers by whom ye believe. So Paul is saying, Hey look, it doesn't matter if it's Paul, it doesn't matter if it's Apollos, Paul and Apollos, he says, All they are is ministers by whom ye believed. Do you see that word believe there? Do you remember 1 John chapter number 1, verse 7? The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. So see, Paul was a witness like John. Apollos was a witness like John. And he says, But minister by whom you believed, and look, this is the important part. This is what I want you to see. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse 5. Even as the Lord gave to every man. So, Paul is saying here, he's saying, look, Paul and Apollos are the same minister. We're the same thing. It doesn't matter. And he says, we're just ministers by whom you believe. And he said, even as the Lord gave to every man. So here's a thought. God, the Bible says, and Paul said in 1 Corinthians, that God gave every single man a person, a minister by whom they could believe. People ask me this question. You know, if Christianity is true and salvation comes through Jesus Christ, then what about, and they do this, they give this hypothetical question. What about this unsaved, you know, this, this heathen person in like the jungles of the Amazon? How are they going to get saved? And, and, well, and the answer is here in 1 Corinthians 35. The Bible says that God gave every man a minister by whom they believe. I remember one time, uh, I was born in Venezuela. And uh, we moved to the United States when I was four years old. And I had a, I had a cousin who, who moved from Venezuela also. And he came to, to, I remember when he first came to live here, his name was Naum. And when he first came to live here, I remember we were out so, so winning. We were out knocking on doors, inviting people to church, preaching the gospel. And... Uh, we were giving somebody the gospel, and I remember this funny story because this lady comes out and she opens the door and she's like, she's like, I can't believe what you believe because uh, if I believe that, she, and, and this is what she said. Now keep in mind, I was born in Venezuela. My cousin was born in Venezuela. I moved here when I was four years old. My cousin literally had been here for like three weeks at that point. Like he was, he just got here. And this lady said, "What about those people in those distant Amazon jungles?" And she's like, "Like I'm just talking about just what about some?" And this is what she said. And literally, this is what she said. She said, "What about just some random person in Venezuela? Like how are they going to get the gospel?" And I remember we just started laughing because we're like, "We're from Venezuela." And we're giving you the gospel. You know? And the truth of the matter is this. There is no such thing. God would be an unjust God to just allow people to go to hell uh, without giving them a chance to get saved. The Bible says that God has given to every every single person a minister by whom they may believe. Now here's the thing. It's not a matter of if God has sent you to be a minister. It's a matter of who... God has sent you to win. Because think about this. Think about how many Christians are in the world. And then think about how many unsaved people there are in the world. There's a lot more 
unsaved people in the city of Sacramento than there is Christians in the city of Sacramento. Does that make sense? So if God... Now, think about this. Is God going to use an unsaved, unbelieving person to minister by whom someone else may believe? Can someone else believe by someone who doesn't believe? No. So God has to use those who believe, the Christians, to be able to minister to those people who are unbelievers in order to get them to believe. Remember, 1 John 1, 7, the same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. Uh, Paul said, who then is Paul, and who's, who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. So if God is going to send every unbeliever, someone, so that they may have the chance to believe, God is going to have to use what? Believers. So the question is not, has God sent me to go preach? That's not the question. The question is, who has God sent you to? Because God has sent you. That's why Matthew 28, uh, 18, God said, go, Jesus Christ said, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. So, so we've got to think of this. Who, who has God sent us to? Now real quickly, go, you're in 1 Corinthians, go to Acts. Go to the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter number 20. If you're in 1 Corinthians, just go back. You're going to go through Romans, and then you're going to go to the book of Acts. And look at Acts chapter number 20. Look at Acts chapter number 20, and look at verse 26. Acts chapter number 20, and look at verse 26. The Bible says, Wherefore, I take you to record this day, and this is what Paul said, the Apostle Paul, he said, I am pure from the blood of all men. Paul said, I am pure from the blood of all men. Now, I believe that uh, Paul is making a reference back to Ezekiel, and we won't take the time to go there, but in Ezekiel, there's, there's a, a parable or a story where uh, God is explaining to the prophet Ezekiel what his job is, and, and God tells him, look, um, if a city sets a watchman, and he said, if there's a city, and there's a watchman, and that watchman is there to warn the city uh, of when the enemy is coming, of when the military is coming to destroy them, God says, now, I might say the military, and if that watchman warns the city, if he tells the city, hey, there's an army coming, and they're going to destroy us, and that city, they don't, if they don't obey, if they don't listen, if they say, oh, we don't believe you, and that army comes and destroys them, he says, hey, that watchman is, their blood is not on his hands. But he said, if that watchman doesn't warn the city, and those people come, they die because of their own iniquity, but... The Bible says it will be required at the hand of the watchman. So God was telling, and then God, and then God turns around and tells Ezekiel, "You're that watchman." So God was telling Ezekiel, "I put you as a watchman. I put you to warn these people." And He said, "Now, if you warn them and they don't listen, He said, that's not your fault. But if you never warn them, He says, I will require their blood at your hand." And Paul said in Acts twenty twenty six, He says, "Wherefore I take the record this day that I am." Pure from the blood of all men. So Paul said, hey, there's not one person I know. There's not one neighbor I got. There's not one co-worker I got. There's not one friend I got that their blood will be required in my hand. He said, if I know you, I've given you the gospel. If I know you, I've witnessed to you about Jesus Christ. If I know you, I've told you about Jesus. Now, if you believe, good. If you didn't believe, it's not my fault. But he said, I am pure from the blood of all men. Notice I didn't say, invite someone to church. Notice I didn't say, give an invitation. And look, invite everyone to church. And give everyone an invitation. But I'm talking about talking to people about Jesus Christ. Giving them the gospel. Point number two. The work of being a witness. Go back to John. The book of John. John chapter number one. And look at verse 15. John chapter number one and look at verse 15. The work of being a witness. 
Look at verse 15. The Bible says, you say, well, and we've already established this. God has called you to be a witness. God has called every single one of us to be a witness. And He's, and he's called us to certain people, and there's certain people that we have to witness to. Look, there are people in this world that I know that you will never know. And there's people in this world that you know that I will never know. So I can't, you know, you say, well, Pastor Jimenez, it's your job. You're the pastor. You should talk to people. There's people that you know that I'll never meet. So it's your job to give them the gospel, and it's my job to give the people the gospel who I know that you may never meet. So God has given everyone a witness, but how do we witness? Look at verse 15. John bear witness of him, and look what it says. Because he just told us, John bear witness of him, talking about Jesus Christ. Look what he says. And cried... Now, when the Bible uses that word cry, it's not talking about like crying like a baby, you know. It's talking about like speak, like speaking or yelling. It says that he cried. The, the Bible word uh, for crying is weeping, but cried is like herald, like he's crying. So it says, John bear witness of him and cried, and look what he says, saying. So the Bible says he opened his mouth and he said something. This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. So John said, I spake, I cried, I said. Here's the thing, being a witness means talking to others about Jesus Christ. It means going to somebody, opening your mouth, and talking to them. Let me, let me explain that to you, but go with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, chapter number 6. If you're in... If you found 1 Corinthians, just go to 2 Corinthians. The next verse is, the next uh, Bible is Galatians. And then Ephesians, chapter number 6. Look at Ephesians, chapter number 6. Now you say, you know, sometimes, and we talk about this, inviting or talking to your friends, talking to your family, talking to your neighbors. And you say, well, you know... It's kind of scary to talk to people, you know. And the sad thing, here's the sad thing, is that we talk to our neighbors, you know, we'll talk to them for hours about anything. We're talking about sports, talk to them about uh, politics, we'll talk to them about the job and the economy. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, we get a little scared talking about that. And, and I understand that. But look at Ephesians chapter number 6 and, and uh, verse 19. If, are you there? Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse 19, this is the Apostle Paul. He says, and for me, now Paul is putting, this is like his prayer request. This is his Wednesday night prayer request. And the Apostle Paul, you got to understand this. The Apostle Paul is probably the greatest Christian who ever lived. Other than Jesus Christ, of course. And Jesus Christ is God, so we understand that. But the Apostle Paul, I mean, in, in the Bible, he's probably seriously the greatest Christian who ever lived. At least in the New Testament. And this, is what, this was Paul the Apostle. I mean, he was, the main, he was like the greatest missionary ever. He started all sorts of churches. If you're a Gentile tonight and you know of Jesus Christ, it's because of the Apostle Paul. And this is, this is, what, this is what the Apostle Paul's prayer request was. Ephesians chapter number 6, verse 19. Look what he says. He says, And for me, that utterance... Now that word utterance means vocal expression. He says, That utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly, as I ought to speak. So the Apostle Paul, the greatest Christian who ever lived, the greatest missionary who ever lived, I mean a great preacher, when he put in his prayer request, he said, hey, pray for me, Ephesians, that I may open my mouth and speak boldly as I ought to speak. And that should be our prayer request. 
You know, I understand at work, hey, that, that happens to me at work, you know, sometimes on my lunch break I have time and people ask me questions and, 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 it, and sometimes you get scared or sometimes you get nervous and you don't really know how to deal with the situation. But look, Paul said, he said, I want to have utterance, he said, I want to open my mouth boldly, he said, I want to speak and I want to preach about Jesus Christ to people. And we'll talk to people about anything, but we just refuse or get scared when it comes to the Bible. But that's what being a witness is. That's why Paul said, I am a minister like Apollos. And he said, I'm here that people may believe. And he said, I, I'm like, like John the Baptist who was a witness. He was there. He spoke. He opened his mouth. He told people, hey, behold the Lamb of God. And he took people to Jesus Christ. Why? Because he opened his mouth. Now today, in our society, we have this belief. And this is what people tell me. I don't believe in, in talking about Jesus with people. I just believe in lifestyle evangelism. And they say, this is lifestyle evangelism. You're just going to live a good life, and then people are going to come to Jesus because they see your good testimony. Well, let me tell you something. That does not even make any sense. Because no one's going to look at your life and be like, I mean, unless you're Job. And even Job, I mean, think about it. Job, who like went through every, you know, all these horrible things, his... He lost his business, lost his home, his ten children died all in one day, his wife even said, just curse God and die. And Job's three friends didn't say, Job, we just need what you've got, you're such a great testimony. Job's three friends were like, there's something wrong with you. So, our te- your testimony, now look, you should have a good testimony. And that's going to help, your testimony is going to help you when you open your mouth and speak boldly about Jesus Christ. If you have, if, you're, if at work you've got this testimony where just, you're just the one who's always cursing, you're the one who's always just uh, having a bad attitude, and you're the one who's always talking bad about the boss behind their back, and then you go and try to talk to somebody about Jesus, they're going to be like, Shh, whatever. You understand what I'm saying? You have to have a good testimony. But having just a testimony is not going to get anybody saved. You've got to open your mouth and speak about Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something, this world is not ashamed to talk to you about stuff. I have people at work all the time, they come up to me, um, I don't watch television, and I don't watch any movies, people come up to me all the time trying to talk to me about movies. They have no, and they know that I don't watch movies, and they're just like, oh, and then I'll tell them, I don't watch movies, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, that's true. And they have no shame, look, they have absolutely no shame talking about the filth of this world, they have no shame telling me about some stupid movie, with some adultery, or some cursing, or some uh, blaspheming God, they have no problem uh, putting their music on, they, when at work they'll bring in their little iPod and they'll play their music, and they'll play it really loud like we all want, want to hear their music, and they have no shame. But then we as Christians, we get timid. Oh, well, you know, Jesus. Oh, well, you know, I go to church. Hey, look, Paul said... I want to be bold. He said, I want to speak. And I want to open my mouth. And I want to have boldness. Because this world is bold. And this world is not ashamed of sin. And this world is not ashamed of all the trash that they're into. And Paul said, I'm not going to be ashamed either. He said, I'm just going to be bold. And I'm going to be a witness. He said, well, what's the process? What's the process of witnessing? Go back to John chapter number 1. John chapter number 1. And look at verse 35. John chapter number 1 and look at verse 35. I want you to see this. The Bible says in John chapter number 1 and verse 35, it says, Again, the next day, after John stood, I'm sorry, again the next day after John stood, and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. So, John was standing there with two of his disciples, Jesus Christ passed by and he said, Hey look, behold the Lamb of God. He opened his mouth and he just said, That is Jesus Christ. That is the Lamb of God. Now look at verse 37. And the two disciples heard him speak. Do you see what that says? 
They didn't, it doesn't say, and the two disciples saw the good testimony of John and followed Jesus. That's not what it said. And the, does it say, and the two disciples saw how John had such a good Christian testimony and they followed Jesus? No, it says, and the two disciples heard him speak. They heard John the Baptist open his mouth and tell somebody and point somebody to Jesus Christ. And then it, and then it says, and they followed Jesus. Now look at this. Well, just real quickly, I want you to see this. Go to Matthew. Matthew chapter number 4. Matthew chapter number 4. Matthew chapter number 4. It's the very first verse, our very first chapter in the New Testament. Matthew chapter number 4. And look at verse 18. Matthew chapter number 4 and look at verse 18. The Bible says, And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, and they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. So Jesus Christ said this, Follow me, and he said, And I will, he doesn't say, I might make you, he says, I will make you fishers of men. So he's saying, Hey, you know how you're catching fish right now? He said, If you follow me, I'm going to make you catch men. I'm going to have you. And he was referring to, Hey, you're going to go out and you're going to bring men to Jesus Christ. Just like you catch fish, you're going to catch men. Now, but I want you to see that. He, Jesus Christ said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. Now, go, go back to John 137. Just real quick. John 137. says, and the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Now, according to Jesus, when he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's what Jesus said. That's a promise. He said, Jesus Christ says, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Well, according to John 1.37, the Bible says that these two disciples followed Jesus, right? Are you, are you following my logic? Look at verse 38. John 1.38. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and said unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted Master, where dwellest thou? He said unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Now look at verse 40. Now, before I read verse 40, I just want you to understand this. Jesus Christ and Matthew made a statement. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. John 1.37 says that these two disciples followed Jesus. So if you follow Jesus, he says, I will make you fishers of men. Look at verse 40, John 1.40. One of the two, talking about the two disciples, which heard John speak. I just love how God just like makes a point. He doesn't say, it doesn't say one of the two that heard John's, that, that saw John's testimony. He said, one of the two that heard John speak and followed him, referring to Jesus, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Look at verse 41. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted to Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. So I want you to understand this. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard John speak, and they followed Jesus. And when they followed Jesus, then they went to Simon Peter, their brother, and they brought him to Jesus. You see what I'm saying? They heard one guy say, Go to Jesus. When they followed Jesus, then they became fishers of men. Then they went and found other men. Andrew went and found his brother, Peter. You need another example? Look at verse 43. Look at John chapter 1, look at verse 43. The Bible says, The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, 
and findeth Philip. So Jesus now finds Philip. And saith unto him, Jesus says to Philip, follow me. Now, we know already from Matthew, if he's going to follow him, that means Philip is going to have to become a fisher's man, right? Because he said, follow me and I will make you a fisher's man. Now Philip, look at verse 44. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael. So, Jesus finds Philip, says follow me. Philip follows Jesus. And in the very next verse, we see Philip finding Nathanael. And say unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael saith unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip saith unto him, Come and see. So Jesus finds Philip. He says, Philip, follow me. And in the very next verse, Philip is finding Nathanael and bringing him to Jesus. What am I trying to tell you from that? I'm trying to tell you this. If you're following Jesus, you're going to find other people and bring them to Jesus. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Now the reverse to that is this. If you're not a fisher of men, then you're not following Jesus. Because every time Jesus said to someone, follow me and they follow, the Bible makes it very clear. They were finding people. They were finding Simon. They were finding uh, Philip. They were finding someone and bringing them to Jesus. And that's what the Bible says. And if you're not finding people and bringing them to Jesus, then you're not a fisherman. And if you're not a fisherman, then you're not following Jesus. You say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, look at John 1.19. Look at John 1.19. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but in the book of John, it said John the Baptist spake. And then it gives us these examples of these men that came. Now, here, here were the men that came. Peter, Andrew, Philip, and Nathaniel. All of those were the men in John chapter number 1 who we were given an example that they came to Jesus because of the ministry of John the Baptist. Now, you may know this, you may not. Those four men eventually became part of what we know as the twelve disciples or the twelve apostles. Keep your hand, your finger in John chapter number 1, but go to Acts chapter number 17, just real quickly. We're almost done. It's not, it's not long. We just like to take the time, read the verses, and we study the Bible and see what the Bible has for us. But go to Acts chapter number 17 and look at verse 6. Acts number 17 and look at verse 6. The Bible says, and this is referring to the apostles, which are what? Those four men. Peter, Andrew, Philip, Nathaniel. We know there's more, but those are but those are became part of the apostles. The Bible says, Acts 17.6, And when they found them not, they drew Jason, a certain brethren, unto the rulers of the city, crying. Now they're looking for these apostles. And they're, they're, they're going to this man, Jason, and trying to see if they can find these apostles. This is a long time after they've been following Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has already died on the cross. He's already ascended to heaven. He's already done all that. And this is what these unsaved believers said about the apostles. They said, they said um, and when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying... These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. So God describes, and, and these in the Bible, God lets us know that these unsaved people looked at these men and they said, These men have turned the world upside down. And he said, Now they came hither. And here's the thing think about this. These men, these 12 apostles, who for the world, I mean, they completely changed the history of the world. 
We've all heard of the twelve apostles. The world we live in would not be the same if it wasn't for uh, Peter and Andrew and Philip and James and the influence and the apostle Paul and the influence they had on our world. I mean, they weren't lying when they said these men have turned the world upside down. They weren't lying. They literally turned the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And these men who did that act came to Jesus by who? John the Baptist. Why? Because the Bible says he opened his mouth. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And he pointed these men to Jesus Christ. And these men followed Jesus Christ. And when they followed Him, they became fishers of men. So they started bringing other men to follow Jesus with Him. And then these men, years later, decades later, the world says about these men, they've turned the world upside down. Look, our world needs to be turned upside down tonight. Actually, the problem with our world is that it is upside down. We need to turn it right side up. Our world is just messed up. I mean, grab a newspaper and just start reading headlines. Our world is messed up. I mean, our society, uh, we were preaching this on this a couple weeks ago, our society is just insane. The things that this world thinks that are normal are just crazy. You listen to people talk about, and, and I'm, I won't go down the line, but I mean, th- this world needs something. Something's got to happen. The status quo is not going to do. I mean, the way things are going, the, we need somebody. You say, people ask me all the time, uh, why, why, do you, why are you starting a church in your house? Or why are you starting, there's other churches in Sacramento, and there's other places you can go, hey, look, I'd be happy if there's a church starting down the street. I think we need all the churches we can get, and we need all the preachers we can get, and we need all the church members we can get to go out and say, I'm going to follow Christ, and I'm going to bring somebody with me, and we're going to bring people, and we're going to turn this world upside down. You say, uh, Pastor Jimenez, what is your goal for Verity Baptist Church? I'm, you're only in the second week of Verity Baptist Church. What would you like to see done? This is what I'd like to see. I'd like a group of people to gather together and say, we're going to turn this world upside down. We're just going to take this world, and we're going to shake it, and we're going to turn it, and we're going to do something for Jesus Christ. But this is what it's going to take. One person to open their mouth and point others to Jesus Christ. John the Baptist, he, John the Baptist, they were his disciples. He could have said, forget Jesus, follow me. But he said, I cried, sang, I spake of him. He said, I opened my mouth and I pointed people to Christ. And those people followed Christ. And those people brought others with them. And eventually the Apostle Paul became one of those. And then Paul said, I prayed that I could open my mouth with boldness. And here's what I'm trying to tell you. Open your mouth with boldness. And tell somebody about Jesus Christ. But you want to know why? The world we live in has a whole lot of Christians who are just scared about opening their mouth. Here's why. Because we're wrapped up in ourselves. This this is the last point. Go to John chapter number 1 and look at verse 19. John chapter number 1 and look at verse 19. The Bible says, and this is the record of John. So this is the record of John. This is his testimony. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? So they come to John the Baptist and they ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou alive? And he said, If I am not, art thou a pro- that prophet? And he answered, No. And they said unto them, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? Now here's the problem. You know, you know the average Christian today, if we went up to them and said, What sayest thou, thou of thyself? Man, they tell us about themselves. They say, man, you know, I've got this going on, and I've got this going on, and I'm into this, and I like this TV show, and I like this music, and they tell us all about themselves. 
But look, look at what John said. He didn't even. He he did not even give them their name. He said, "I am a voice." You see, John the Baptist, in, uh, his what his focus is is speaking, is opening his mouth. He said, "I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord," as said the prophet Isaiah. Now, here's the thing: John the Baptist was a unique person. The Bible says that the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, who lived thousands of years before John the Baptist, prophesied about John the Baptist. I mean, if there was, if, if my name was in the book of, in the Bible somewhere, and there was a prophecy about me, I'd feel like a very special person, wouldn't I? I mean, don't you think I'd just have this big old head, and I'd be like, people ask me, "Who art thou?" And I'd be like, "Well, haven't you read of me in Isaiah? You know? Oh, are you asking who am I? I'm John the Baptist. I baptize people. I, I have this huge gathering. I have this huge group. I'm the guy who who everybody comes out to to the wilderness to see what he's up to and see what he's preaching. But John, Johnny could have said a number of things. But he said this: I am a voice. He said my life is consumed with one thing: speaking and telling and bringing people to Jesus Christ. And that's what we need. If we're going to do something for Jesus Christ today, we're going to need a whole lot of Christians who are just going to decide. I am nothing more than just a voice. Let me tell you something. You may be a good father. You may be a good husband. You may be a good wife. You may be a good uh, mother. You may be a good sister or brother or daughter or son, whatever. But at the end of your life, if you were the best at everything you could be in every area of your life, but you never opened your mouth for Jesus Christ, according to the Bible, you are a failure. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that the, 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 the tree that bears no fruit is just cumbering the ground. It's just a waste of time. God says, it's just a waste of space. And John said, I, I, John said, I could tell you anything, but I'm going to tell you this, I am a voice. He said, that is the purpose of my life. The purpose of my life is, and here's the thing, that's what, I love, I love what my, my wife said, she, we, were, we were talking, and uh, we were saying, man, this opening this church, we're only in our second week, and, and she was saying, I feel like this church has just taken over our lives. And I'm like, amen, you know, we're happy. Because the thing is, it does, you know, you say, well, what are you going to do tomorrow? After the Wednesday night service, you know what we start doing? We start preparing for Sunday. And after Sunday, you know what we do? We start preparing for Wednesday. <laughs> Actually, after the Wednesday night service, we start preparing for Saturday soul winning. And after soul winning on Saturday or Friday night or Sunday, then we start preparing for Sunday. And after Sunday, we start preparing for Wednesday. And that's just our life. And that's what our life's going to be. And our life, look, because here's most Christians. You have your life, and then you have church. And that's not how it should be. John the Baptist, his life was church. His life was God. His life was the Bible. He said, you want to know who I am? I am a voice here to speak about Jesus Christ. And we've got to make church our life. It's not an afterthought. That's why you need to decide. That's why it's silly for us to decide. We're going to make time to read the Bible every day. No. Reading the Bible every day should be the main objective. Look, I don't go to work and then that's my life. I go to work so that I can do this. This is my life. You understand that? This should be your life. These young kids, you need to understand this. Church is your life. Church is your life, not whatever you're into or whatever sports. The Bible is your life. This should consume you. If somebody says, hey, uh, what's your name? You should say, hey, I'm a voice. I've done the Baptist. I'm telling you. And I should say that. And we should all just come to the place where we just say, I am a voice. I am a Christian. This is my life. I, I go to church on Wednesday night. And after Wednesday night, I prepare for Sunday. And I'm just looking forward to Sunday. You know how you prepare for Sunday? You read your Bible every day. And just say, God, I just want to read your Bible. I want to study your Bible. So on Sunday morning, when the, when the preacher's preaching, 
I've been in my Bible all week. How do you prepare for Sunday? I'm praying. How do you prepare for Sunday? I'm inviting people to church. I'm opening my mouth boldly. And I'm telling people about Jesus Christ. And you just let it consume your life. That's why, that's why we're in the state we're in. That's why California is in the state it's in. Because we have a whole lot of Christians who want to play church. But John the Baptist, they say, who art thou? They asked him a few times. He said, who art thou? He denied not, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. He, he's like, look, look, I'm not the Christ. And they ask, okay, well, well then who art thou? Are you alive? He says, I'm not. Are thou that prophet? And he answered, no. I mean, they just keep asking him and asking him and asking him. He's like a movie star. And he finally just says, look, here's, here's my answer. You want to know who I am? I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. And that's what we should all try to be tonight. It's just a voice talking about Jesus Christ. That's what John the Baptist was. In the Bible, this is what, this is what the Bible called him. A witness. And that's what we should all try to be. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you Lord so much for your Bible.